0: Oma Jnana Timuranda Sya Gyanandana Salakaya Minitam Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Venama Shri Chaitanamana Vistam Stapitam Yenabhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dati Swapalantikam Sri Krishna chitanya prabodhachanan sri twirgada da shivasidhi kodebakta vinda are krishna 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 ni ni Hari ram hari ram Ram nam ni ni so uh, i'm today i've got a book in front of me In uh, ten ten thousand places in every blade of grass, uneventful but true confessions about finding God in India and here too by Francis X Clooney and Studies in the Spirituality of Jesuits. Clooney is um, is very much into East-West dialogue. Uh, we can uh, read from the uh, beginning. In 1992, I was living in Madras, deep in semi-tropical South India, studying the 8th century Tamil language, classic, Thiruvamoyi, Moli, The 100 Beautiful Songs of the Hindu Mystic Shatakopan. <coughs> I was enjoying India as I had on previous trips while writing a book on the songs and the role in the Hindu community even today. In October of that year, I was interviewed by a freelance journalist who recently met me at a conference on Hinduism in the 21st century. He was writing a piece about me for... Uh, Kumutam, the most popular Tamil language weekly magazine with a circulation in the millions. His angle was general. Foreigner learns Tamil, Catholic priest studies Hinduism. That I was doing these things at all was interesting, not whether I did them well. His little essay was a success. It provided me with interesting conversations all over South India on buses in temples and in the bazaar with friends and strangers who'd read the piece and seen the picture. For myself, I most appreciated the opportunity my interviewer provided when he asked me to identify my favorite Tamil verses from Tiruvai Moli. I chose these. In that time when I did not know you, you made me love your service in the midst of my unknowing confusion. You made me your servant, disguised as a dwarf, you asked. Three steps of earth, great King Bali. You tricked him, unawares. And now you've mingled inside myself. In return for the great gift of your mingling inside myself, I ended up giving you myself. So now what other return can I make? You are the self of myself, my father, who ate seven worlds, Who is myself? Who am I? It's what you've made it. You who gave it. Okay. I chose these two verses because they were, very, they were beautiful in the original and in translation and because in a simple way they captured the heart of the theology behind traditional Hindu devotion. I suppose they captured me too because they seemed so very Christian. Memory works in such situations echoing things I already knew and loved. The verses sent me back to my own tradition. And you have deigned to dwell in my memory whence I have learned of you why then do I seek in what place you dwell therein as if forsooth there were places there truly you dwell in my memory since I have remembered you from the time I learned of you and I find you there when I call you to mind too late have I loved you O beauty so ancient and so new too late have I loved you behold you were within me while I was outside. It was there that I sought you, and a deformed creature rushed headlong upon these things of beauty which you have made. You were with me, but I was not with you. You have called to me, and I have cried out and have shattered my deafness. You have blazed forth with light and have shone upon me, and you have put my blindness to flight. You have sent forth fragrance, and I have drawn in my breath, and I penned after you, I've tasted you, and I hunger and thirst after you. You've touched me, and I've burned for your peace. From the uh, confessions of uh, St. Augustine. Mm. Mm -hmm. So yes, it is uh, the Supreme Lord dwelling within, uh, dwelling in, in our memory uh, from the time I learned of you yes but then Augustine says too late I have loved you um, uh, because there is a need for purification uh, yes the Lord is, is within but somehow or other, how do we connect with him? That is the uh, the big question. Huh? Uh, the Srimad bhagavad says, "Vadanti tat tattvam vāyam paramatmeti bhāgavan iti sabjate. That the Supreme Lord manifests in three ways. He manifests as Brahman, the all-pervading spiritual energy. Brahmanapatistam, uh, everything rests on that Brahman. So, that's the first. He manifests as Brahman. Then he manifests as Paramatma, as the Lord within the heart. So, the Lord within, who is communicating with us and makes himself known. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm -mm. (laughs) And then... He is present as Bhagavan, right? Um, We can look at the Lord in all these three ways. We can look at him as Brahman, as the source of all energy, as as the source of everything that exists. And in this way, we can uh, always and everywhere see the Supreme Lord. No? Um, <clears throat> or we can see him as Paramatma, who is directing us and communicating his will to us. Mm. And uh, yes, and we can uh, we can look at the Lord uh, who uh, is present. In his personal feature. In the prayer to uh, in Tamil, it speaks about Bali, Bali Maharaj and Vamanadev. Vamanadev who came as a dwarf before Bali Maharaj and as a dwarf humbly begged for three steps of land as he was begging for three steps of land. He uh, he was granted, and then he became very large, and two steps took the entire universe. So he took away everything. Uh, um, so he speaks about the Lord who uh, appeared outside of Bali Maharaj, and who took... Uh, Took the entire uh, entire universe with his steps, and uh, <coughs> and then he speaks about the Lord who's present within, um, who is there. Then talking about this. Um, how the Lord is remembered and is there in memory. Um, So just as we are uh, remembering the Lord, uh, we are becoming aware the Lord lives in our memory. And that is the beginning. When the Lord begins to live in our memory, we begin to turn to the Lord. When we begin to appreciate that he has um, <clears throat> that he has unlimited power, that he has unlimited strength, that he has unlimited beauty, that he has unlimited knowledge, that he has unlimited fame and unlimited. Uh, Unlimited uh, renunciation So uh, appreciating that uh, That uh, he has um, Six opulences uh, We begin to remember the Supreme Lord And we begin to remember his, his glories By remembering him and by remembering his glories krishna uh, surya sam maya krishna tai maya Adikar. by remembering krishna krishna is is manifest and present and drives out maya so by remembering krishna we become purified purification um, brings us uh, uh It brings us uh, full transcendental consciousness of eternity, full of knowledge and full of bliss. In the uh, Bhagavad Gita, <coughs> in one of the chatu sloki from the Gita, we read aham sarvasya prabhavo matasavam pavartate, mata um, Buddha Samanvita. And it says that I'm the origin of all spiritual and material worlds. Now we're fully understanding uh, the opulence of the Supreme Lord. Hmm. <clears throat> At least we understand uh, the spiritual and material worlds in relation to the Supreme Lord as the origin of it. And the wise who know this perfectly, Buddha Bhava Samanvita. Worship me with love, yes. So that is the next step, uh, because one can understand the purpose of the Supreme Lord. Um, the spiritual world is the place where the servants of the Lord are eternally dedicating their lives to Him. The um, yes, the uh, material worlds is uh, the material world is the place for those living beings that have turned away from the Supreme Lord to uh, satisfy their own sensual desires. The, uh, The Lord, however, is making many arrangements in this material world to bring the living being back to the spiritual world and at least to the consciousness of the spiritual world. Even while one is in the material body, one can go there already, uh, in uh, in 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 spiritual consciousness. Atasi Krishna So one cannot, with the blunt senses, uh, see the supreme Lord. But when one actually by Sevon Mukhe, by specifically by chanting the holy name of the Lord, then one can uh, become uh, then one can actually experience the darshan of the Supreme Lord and his presence. So then love is uh, is there. Mm. So Augustine is saying, <clears throat> too late have I loved you, O beauty so ancient and so new. Too late have I loved you, behold you. Behold, you were within me while I was outside. It was there that I, th- I sought you, and a deformed creature, Rushed along, headlong upon those things of beauty which you have made. You were with me, but I was not with you. You've called to me and have cried out and have shattered my deafness. You've blazed forth with light and have shone upon me. And you put my blindness to flight. You sent forth fragrance and I have drawn in my breath. And I pent after you. I've tasted you and I, I hunger and thirst after you. You've touched me and have burned for your peace. Okay, so first... Uh, too busy with external things, not uh, particularly interested in the Lord. Then, the Lord has reached out to him. The Lord has somehow or other uh, captured him. The Lord has managed to attract him. You've sent forth fragrance, something attracted, and I have drawn in my breath. And now I pant after you. Uh, now, uh, now I have a desire for you. By that. So the Lord has attracted his devotee. And so the devotee became touch and burns now for your peace, for for love. Now there is eagerness. Um, eagerness did awake. Yes, so um, <clears throat> this is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so first in, um, <clears throat> then in the in the verse from the Tiruvaymoli. First, the description of Bali, and and then the point about mingling inside myself and the great gift, and then, then the surrender, I ended up giving you myself, so now what other return can I make? You are the self of myself, my father who ate seven worlds, who is myself, who am I? Um, is, it's what you've made it. It's what you've made it. You gave it. Yeah. So, again, so a parallel is is can be seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> <coughs> so Cluny is putting uh, religious texts uh, or personalities next to each other. Uh, in one book, he does uh, Vedanta Desika and Desal. Huh? So Desal is is a is a saintly Catholic bishop from the uh, 16th century or 17th century, and Desal is um, and Vedanta Desika. Vedanta Desika is one of the. Uh, uh, successors, theologians of Ramanujacarya, and then he ends into this uh, interfaith, uh, interfaith type of uh, discussion. Yeah, um, those things are uh, are all right um, to gain a deeper understanding. Through one tradition, one gets an, a new perspective in the other. So in this way, uh, interfaith discussion, and that is what Cluny is doing, is more than uh, merely... Uh, trying to, uh, there's no attempt to convert one uh, to one's own faith, but there is just an, there is an exchange, and through the exchange with other traditions uh, to get a fresh perspective on one's own faith. Hmm. And that is, uh, that is interesting. So, uh, okay, let's, let's see. um let's uh, look at uh, something else because I am below kali Hmm. Uh, okay one second I'm going to Pilocalia pH, okay, okay, yeah. Now try it again because I couldn't find it. Why can't I find it? Oh, I know I have it, but that means I haven't. like like yeah uh, I'll go back to the compendium of Western thought because I'm not getting anywhere as you can see <laughs> no problem. And we'll just go uh, to uh, yeah. We can we can discuss uh, marriage. There you go. Begin with marriage. That our ancestors were more lighthearted about, or at least less plagued by the inherited difficulties of the man marriage bond than later generation, for whom the bond is more easily dissolved by divorce. The consideration of marriage cannot help touching on a number of related matters. Not only divorce, but also conjugal love or sex in marriage and incest, adultery, and cuckoldry. relevant text Dealing with conjugal love marital sex and adultery will also be found in chapter 3 on love especially sex, section 33 three on sexual love therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one in flesh uh, from genesis 224 Okay, we're going to the Bible now. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Rachel. Leah was tender eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well favoured. And Jacob loved Rachel, and said, I will serve thee seven years for Raggle, thy youngest daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee, than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Raggle, and they seemed unto him but a few days. For the love he had to her. Genesis 29, 15, 20. Hmm. Well, he made a sacrifice. Uh, first of all, there was it was a deep attraction, and in him to her, it was a love marriage, and he was, uh, and therefore he made a sacrifice for seven years. Um, that certainly uh, helps uh, in. Um, In the Indian tradition, we see uh, more—we see arranged marriages, and we see the parents are arranging a marriage, and then somehow or other, uh, after that, attachment grows and love develops. But and the girl has been sort of uh, screened to be of 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 a. like minded nature from a uh, similar community and therefore having like uh, a similar cultural background <clears throat> comfortable in a in a similar cultural setting and then having a uh, uh, and then and then a, a similar objective in life uh, there are caste which like also creates, caste creates uh, a focus. Uh, speaking about Vārna and Ashram, and how the uh, the Vārnas uh, are talking about the particular inclinations, right? A person has, Brahmin, Ksatya, Vaishya, Sudra. Um, spiritually inclined, um, inclined towards the mode of goodness and living in a very simple, kind of renounced lifestyle, but focused on study of scripture. Ksatya, uh, the uh, administrator, the ruler, um, natural uh, nobility, strength, power, uh, and the Vaishya, mentality, business mentality, the uh, farmer's mentality, uh, growing things, producing and increasing wealth and the sudra, the, the labor class. So people of a similar class would we'd be combined and then so in this way have a similar interest. Um hmm. uh, I'm not saying that that's not there in the uh, in the biblical story, but the uh, the the emphasis is on uh, on love, right? In the uh, in the Vedic context, then the marriage is arranged between two suitable uh, partners, and then uh, sometimes traditionally at a very young age, right? Uh, child marriage which is now <clears throat> considered like the greatest one of the greatest horrors of the world right was once held in in high esteem and the idea of this child marriage was was not that the child or the young girl who was a chi- as a child would be uh, Living with her husband, she lived with her parents. Uh, but ch- child marriages were arranged as young as seven years old. Right? A girl of seven years to a boy of ten—that would be—that uh, would would be a common common practice. Then uh, the girl would. Uh, would stay home the boy would stay home but she would do some savor for the husband Uh, she would uh, would learn to uh, to cook she would learn to do some little thing for the husband and she would know she would grow up knowing that she had this husband then when the girl came of age and 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 there was the, 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 the menstruation cycle, um, then she was considered ready and ripe. And then sometime after that, uh, she would actually leave home and go live with her husband, right? Oh, so both would be young. And the relationship then would be not one of girlfriend, boyfriend, but actually they were married. And society was supporting that marriage, and there was no question of divorce. Divorce was not accommodated in such a society. Uh, Socially, uh, one would be uh, just not acceptable. Therefore, there was no divorce, so they would stay together. And then she had children, young, maybe she would be 14, 15, and have a child. And, uh and he would be 1819 and he would be uh, sheltered by his family because the the family would be a joint family so they were being cared for by his family the girl would move in with the uh, with the husband's family and they would... Uh, and they, the, the parents would, would support and, uh, you know, until they would grow up and become the uh, middle-aged generations, then they would take charge of the family and care for the elders and, uh, and for the youth and so on. And in that society, uh, child marriage worked fine. There was no, uh, it was not a problem at all. And it had advantages because we know that at the age of, that once a girl comes to this age and a boy comes to this age, what we call puberty, well, then starts a very difficult time, right? Because puberty is the time where one is confronted with sexuality and it is very intense. Suddenly there's all that sex desire. And it just transforms a person into, uh, you know, the the nice innocent child is now becoming, uh, yeah, very difficult to deal with, and and uh, <clears throat> totally out of control, and begins to dress in in ways to try and attract the opposite sex, and there's experimenting and and so on, and. With some between boys and girls, and and all that is the uh, the modern way of life, right? And uh, but th- th- that didn't exist in that culture. In that culture, uh, whenever the, the the sexual desires were uh, were manifest, then there was already a marriage to accommodate that, and. Uh, and if children would come from that, uh, then that was going on, no contraception, nothing. It was just uh, just like that, um, very, very perfect. So this is uh, just an other angle on, on child marriage than, uh, than the one that we know, uh, okay. Uh, Let's see what we have here. Proverbs, okay. Calypso, son of Laertes, versatile Odysseus, after these years with me, you still desire your old home? Even so, I wish you well. If you could see it all before you go, all the adversity you face at sea, you would stay here and guard this house and be immortal. Though you wanted her forever, that bride for whom you pine each day, can I be less desirable than she is, less interesting, less beautiful? Can mortals compare with goddesses in grace and form? To this, the strategist Odysseus answered, My lady goddess, here is no cause of anger. My quiet Penelope, how well I know, would seem a shade before your majesty, death and old age being unknown to you, while she must die. Yet it is true. Each day, I long for home, long for the sight of home. Mm. So again, you know, like, uh, deep, deeply entering into the concept of uh, of the love a man feels for a woman, and how uh, somehow or other. Uh, there is a bond right? And that bond is is not just only about uh, about physical beauty. Uh, that is not the only criterion. The bond is is about more than that. The bond is is about character. The bond is, is about uh, a natural connection that creates a deep, a deep trust, uh, a deep trust. And, and uh, astrologers spend their time looking at how the various planets of a man and a woman in combine and, and can see that such attraction uh, will be there or not. That they'll find uh, that it will be physical attraction or emotional attraction or intellectual attraction or a combination of it all, and how uh, how they will stimulate each other. Uh, of course, in Srimad Bhagavatam, Pum Sastriya Mituni Bhavam Etam Vridaya Grantim Ahu Kriya Krita Apt Vitra Janas so yes, there is described the knot in the heart that comes when uh, a man and a woman uh, unite. Uh, and then there is then there are many possessions, uh, land and house, and uh, then there's social circle, there are children, there's economy, all these things start to play apart, then they built shelter within this world uh, and they built their own mini world, which is uh, It's a great up from the world around It is there where one um, Can uh, fulfill desires it is there where one can find rejuvenation it is there where When again, uh, after having been tired from battling it out in the world, that one can uh, gain new strength. Uh, When the whole world is struggling uh, and in disagreement, then, uh, and a man is beating his head on the rock, he comes home and she says, I love you, I believe in you, and she embraces him and he gets so much strength from this that again he can go back into the world and battle it out with so many men in disagreement and because well, ultimately she loves him so that is a uh, amazing uh, amazing uh, dynamic Uh, and she feels he's there uh, vulnerable in this world and he is my shelter yes of course Bhagavatam is not entirely uh, in agreement with that because Bhagavatam says, atma says the family members, they are not able, we turn to them for shelter and protection, but they are not able to protect themselves. So how can they protect us? Um, that is there. But I will take off my sannyasi hat and I will just speak in favor of marriage, um, marriage as a foundation. Marriage as a foundation where we we are safe, where we can find a balance between our conditioned nature and our spiritual aspirations. Uh, Marriage as a springboard from where we can go forward and where we create actually a positive, nourishing relationship. That doesn't happen automatically. Um, I have often said that um, it's not that a marriage just works. One has to work for it. And if we work for it and if we work it out, um, marriage must be based on agreements between a husband and wife. it is to be explored what the mutual needs are. And uh, at the beginning of the marriage, there's a need to sit down and talk and just figure out, come to some agreement, how are we going to live? Uh, and the needs of both are to be considered. And, and both make some some give and take, some, some sacrifice. And will be there and there will be some things that just cannot be sacrificed, becomes impossible. And in this way, uh, they try and find a common ground where where they can can be, be together. That is necessary. Um, otherwise if a situation comes that one always has to adjust to the other, uh, then marriage becomes draining and it becomes a burden and it becomes and it hollows out uh, one of the partners so if that has happened then still one should again uh rediscuss where do we stand what do we need where do we need to make adjustments and and what is our common ground where can we actually be in a situation where both are satisfied? That is to be explored, and that is to be uh, discussed. Yes. Okay, let us go a little bit. Once a year in each village, the maidens of age to marry were collected all together in one, into one place, while the men stood around them in a circle. Then a herald called up the damsels one by one and offered them for sale. He began with the most beautiful. When she was sold for no small sum of money, he offered for sale the one who came next to her in beauty. All of them were sold to be wives the richest of the Babylonians who wished to wed, bid against each other for the loveliest maidens, while the humbler wife-seekers, who were indifferent about beauty, took the more homely damsels with marriage portions. For the custom was that when the herald had gone through the whole number of the beautiful damsels, he should then call up the ugliest, a cripple, if there chanced to be one, and offer her to the man, asking who would agree to take her with the smallest marriage portion. And the man who offered to take the smallest sum had her assigned to him. The marriage portions were furnished by the money paid for the beautiful damsels, and thus the fairer maidens portioned out the uglier. No one was allowed to give his daughter in marriage to the man of his choice, nor might anyone carry away the damsel he had purchased without finding bail, really and truly to make her his wife if however it turned out that they did not agree the money might be paid back Herodotus history 196 yes Herodotus was a (coughs) historian so now we're going to the culture of the Babylonians (coughs) where from what we understand a dowry uh, in a a dowry was paid uh, for for the girls, right? And the girls were, uh, and then, well, we saw the system. Yeah, it's uh, different societies are dealing with uh, matters in different ways. Uh, in the in the Vedic culture. Well, first in the African culture, the dowry is also paid for for the girl, and the family of the girl is getting um, is getting a payment in so many cows, which can translate into money and so on traditionally in cows. But uh, (laughs) in the Vedic culture, it's the other way around. Uh, The dowry is given to the man. But then the man is also meant from that day on to take care of the wife and provide for her needs. So he gets some help, right, so that he can become the provider. That is the Vedic approach. uh, uh, Maybe in the Babylonian and African approach, it's more like, well, I've you know, I've paid, you know, I have uh, paid a price, so he uh, uh, becomes more more attached. Uh, maybe that's uh, part of the psychology there. So, interesting, different cultures, different ways. Uh, so Herodotus did some more studies, And he says, the Tracians who live above the Crestonsians observe the following customs. Each man among them had several wives and no sooner does a man die than a sharp contest ensues among the wives upon the question, which of them all the husband love most tenderly. The friends of each eagerly plead on her behalf and she to whom the honor is adjudged after receiving the praises both of men and women is slain over the grave by the husband by the hand of her next of kin, and then buried with her husband. The others are sorely grieved, but nothing is considered such a disgrace, Herodotus. (coughs) Okay, so now we're seeing uh, sati. uh, In the uh, sati is also an ancient practice in Vedic culture, uh, where... Uh, the wife would voluntarily die along with the husband uh, and would would enter the, the funeral pyre of her husband, her husband, the body of her husband burning on the flames, and the and the wife would just enter the fire. And it is inconceivable. Uh, the, in modern times to think of it. And the British abolished and outlawed this uh, this, this practice, which has uh, been, been painted as barbaric. And well, OK, let us go back. It says it, it has its roots and within the culture, in the fact that the, the woman was experiencing so much separation from her husband that she wanted to enter into the funeral pyre, and then the fire of flames, and so she chose the fire of flames, and died with her husband. Mm. Um, is something uh, later? Uh, it also became socially enforced by family members who would force. Uh, a lady to uh, to die with her husband although she didn't want to uh, that is not recommended but satsati where a woman voluntarily and would die with her husband on the funeral pyre uh, that existed yeah yeah the modern, this is not for for the modern times uh, um, but, yes it did exist Uh, it did exist and we see it also uh, amongst the pandavas Uh, we're seeing that uh, you know when king pandu died then between then then between the two uh, kunti and madri it was decided who would enter the funeral pyre and who would stay behind to take care of the children. And Madhuri, uh, uh Pandu was very attentive. And Madhuri, uh, she chose to enter the funeral pyre and Kunti remained behind as the widow and the mother of the Pandavas. So we see that this was the custom in, in the Mahabharata days and... Uh, it's there, we're dealing with it, yeah? And it's, it's uh, not that we are propagating that this is to be uh, uh, implemented now in modern times. Uh, but it could be that if, uh, if at one point uh, Krishna consciousness would, uh, would really evolve, then, uh, yeah, that, that this might come back on its own uh, in society. Okay, and then Joe Mai is, is they saying, but what about, uh, isn't this suicide? Uh, um, <laughs> well, what can I say? Uh, it... Uh, it is something that was part of the culture. Yeah. It uh, it was uh, it was going on, oh. and uh, and then the the wife would attain the same destination as the husband, and they would uh, stay together also. Yeah, after that, and if the husband would go back to God, it she would also go. So. Uh, It may be astounding, and it may be difficult to understand from a modern uh, perspective, but, yes, it is something that we are looking at. Well, um, what shall I say? Um, But, again, we are not advertising or advocating this for the present. That is, is not the case. But all right, we just, uh, something about, uh, about Vedic culture. Okay, the institution of the family. Let's see if there is something, again, biblical, and we don't want you no. Know. Socrates. How can marriages be made most beneficial? That is the question which I put to you. Because I see in your house dogs for hunting, and of the nobler sort of birds, not a few. Now I beseech you to tell me, have you ever attended to their pairing and breeding? Clausen, in what particulars? Why, in the first place, although they are all of a good sort, are not some better than others? True. And do you breed them all indifferently? Or do you take care to breed from, from the best only? From the best. And do you take the oldest or the youngest? Or only those of ripe age? I choose only those of ripe age. And if care was not taken in breeding, your dogs and birds would greatly deteriorate? Certainly. At the same And the same of horses and animals in general? Undoubtedly, good heavens, my dear friend. I said, what consummate skill will our rulers need if the same principle holds of the human species? Certainly, the same principle holds. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, so, uh, So about marriage, he speaks about, first of all, combining the right people. Um, that is, uh, is, is. 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 is the principle? Yes. So Socrates is in that way aligned with the principles of Vedic culture, which are about aligning. Aligning people appropriately, according to their natures, qualifications, goals, their social. Uh, positions yes that is uh, most interesting uh, that in classical cultures this existed in modern cultures it's more love that is the criterion unless the uh, the common the common ground Uh, whatever may be common ground as I explained earlier on will have to be created it will have to be explored where the common ground is found. Otherwise, if there is no common ground, then one cannot expect any relationship to be successful. Uh, in the spiritual life, of course, the common ground is Krishna. So even if the astrology is not, uh, is not perfect, uh, still, um, that is secondary, because the common ground is service to Krishna. So, when the common ground is strongly uh, rooted in service to Krishna, then even if a few planets are not perfect, it doesn't matter. Uh, So, the ultimate common ground is service to Krishna. Uh, And that is the foundation of all relationships. Thank you. And see you again tomorrow. Hare Krishna.